I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, Joel here. Before we get into our episode today, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this episode. They are a vintage college, officially licensed uh, apparel brand with vintage college designs from a ton of different colleges and universities throughout the country. Their Oklahoma State line dropped earlier this month. I have the Oklahoma A&M Pistol Peach shirt. It's one of my favorite Oklahoma State shirts that I own. One of the most comfortable shirts in my collection uh, across any sort of brands that I have. Homefield digs through the archives to find the most unique logos, mascots, etc., and create thoughtful designs for each school's. The initial Oklahoma State line is what's out right now. There are more designs to come in the future. If you want to go and buy one of your a new Homefield shirt for the Oklahoma State line or any of the other various colleges that they have, use code CRFF at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Homefieldapparel.com, use code CRFF at checkout for 15% off. Without further ado, we'll get into our interview uh, Philip and I have with NFL agent Luke McMurtry. Really fun conversation. Talk about uh, the draft process and how that's been for him and his clients and Oklahoma State and how the draft process can go for them. A little bit of spring football, a little bit of everything. It was a fun conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Talk to you all next week. Came to the Short Course Saloon. My name is Joel Penfield, joined as always by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, having a good time. I'm sitting here drinking a, well, I can't remember the name of it. Bugs, man. Springtime. Bugs getting out. I got an early bird uh, from Flyway. It's a brewery in North Little Rock, not far from my, uh, my abode. It's quite tasty. So uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting here on a, on a Tuesday night. Glued to Twitter because Mike Boynton put out his uh, his his brand of guess what we landed somebody but I can't tell you who it is tweet which is a combination of emojis uh, that is let's get these right nothing ever wants to pop up when I want to uh, eyeballs cowboy hat uh, smiley face basketball uh, construction crane and flex dot 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 hashtag let's work so. I wish he was landed another commit. I would guess it's another 2021. No idea. I, I maybe we'll find out while we're recording, which would be awesome. I have no clue. Like I have no good read. Maybe it's the kid. It's um. Don't even ask me to say names right now. I'm so tired. Oh, is it the kid from Auburn? Is that right? Sophomore point, the backup point guard, maybe. Severe Wheeler. I don't know. I'm done rambling. Joel, take over, please. Save the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this, I know uh, this is a very uh, beer slash uh, drink friendly podcast. I will not tonight because uh, 
my my roommates from college surprised me this weekend. We went to they went to the OC baseball game and then proceeded to hit Washington Street. And uh, I can't drink like I did in college. I'll just I'll just put it that way. So I need I needed a couple of days off from from that. Uh, call me weak. Call me whatever. Yeah, just that when you have a, a damn near two day hangover, you know it was bad. Um, and I'm just going to move on from that. <laughs> Joining us tonight on this episode is Luke McMurtry. He is an NFL agent getting ready for the draft. We're going to talk a little bit about that, how the process has been over the last year. And he's an OSU grad, joined us around this time last year as well. Uh, glad to have him back on. How's it, how's it going, man? No, man, thank you guys for having me back on. I thought I kind of messed it up last year saying um and like a little too much, man. I'm just glad to be back on. You clearly have never listened to an episode of this podcast because it's about half of what Philip and I say. Well, hey, we'll all talk about my drink of choice. I am with a strawberry raspberry Gatorade today. Um, <laughs> haven't had the flavor yet, so I thought I would dabble in that. Um, did not hit the strip this weekend, but I'm jealous of you for it. It was a weird night because I never went to Murphy's in college, and we all were sitting at College Bar going – let's go to Murphy's <laughs> because you just didn't do it. How did you miss out on the palms of no, college? I, so I, it's just, an, to me, it's just so overrated. Like, it really <sighs> is. Now when you can go and sit underneath the palms, which we did good time, but I mean, we did it a time or two, but college bar was our main place. It had music. It had a little bit better vibe. I get it. I like the sweaty shoulder rubbing, just do laps nah. around. and <laughs> I loved it. Better beer selection at college bar too. I'll give you that. All right, Luke. So how has this uh, – obviously, 2020 was what it was, and it, but it made, obviously, for a weird year in your profession because the season was weird and, you know, it was just ever-changing. Pro days were what they – it was essentially the combine. How has – how did everything that transpired in the last year really affected what you do? Yeah, um, this – um, as you guys know, me, me, for me being on the pod last year, um, last year was pretty weird, you know, because Pro Days kind of got cut short, um, got cut at the very end, but we were able to have the All-Star Games in a combine. Um, so a couple guys kind of got, got the short end of the stick, but it was okay. Um, this year has been much, much worse. Um, from the start, they didn't have any All-Star Games except for the Senior Bowl. Um, and so there are two other kind of, kind of a big three when it comes to All-Star Games. Um, one being the Senior Bowl. There's another one called the East-West Shrine Game. Um, it's usually played in Florida. And there's another one called the NFLPA Bowl. Um, NFL, or the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. Um, and that NFLPA Bowl is actually obviously sponsored by the NFLPA. Um, and both the East-West Shrine and the NFLPA Bowl were canceled um, this year. They said that they was due to COVID and the funding behind it, um, that they weren't able to fund the – because, you know, guys usually share rooms and that kind of thing, and they would have to get a single hotel room. They'd have to do all the COVID testing every day. Um, and so both of those games kind of folded for the year. Um, and so that left, I mean, there's, what, probably 80 guys who get invited to each of those. Um, so that's 160 guys right there who didn't get to go play against the best of the best kind of in this draft. Um, so that was a huge, huge kind of miss. and made me sad, man. I love going to L.A., love going to the Rolls Bowl, love going to East-West Shrine down there. Um, so that, a lot of guys really missed out on that. Um, and then my having a combine was just brutal. Um, so like I've talked about before on the pod, these guys train for two and a half months. As soon as they get done playing college ball, 
the first week of the season, or sorry, first week of January, they go to a training facility. Um, and so these guys were training, training their butts off two or three times a day, not even knowing if we were going to have a combine. Um, and they announced the end of January that they're canceling it. Um, so all these players were kind of just like, what are we doing? What have we been working out for? Um, so then pro days were all, ha oh, pro days all happened, which was good. Um, but the pro day, the entire pro day circuit was a little messed up this year, just due to things not being fair. Um, for example, Ohio state, Oklahoma state, um, Oklahoma, all those guys were able to run inside climate controlled, you know, on the nice little turf, um, then other guys at smaller schools, for example, Louisiana Monroe, um, they had their guys outside running forties and 48 degree weather with a 16 mile per hour wind. Um, so man, it was pretty unfair. Um, the times are, it's really hard to compare a lot of those 40 times and three cones and all that kind of thing. Um, but man, other than that, the guys are all, the guys kind of knew what they were getting into by coming out this year. As everyone knows, they were offered another year of college if they wanted to come back. Um, so all the guys coming out this year knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, just knew that it was a big question mark on how the process was going to go. Um, so yeah, man, it affected it a whole lot. Um, but everybody's positive. My guys are positive. Um, and it's all going to work out in the end, but it was, it was a very kind of messed up draft prospect draft process this year. Um, and I think there's only like half the normal eligible players um, for this draft as compared to normal. Um, so next year we're going to see a huge influx of players um, who are eligible and are going to be signed by agents. So that we're really going to be feeling this ripple effect in the NFL for probably the next two to three years. Are you good, Philip? Mm, yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. I, I, went, I, I was waiting to see if you had anything. <laughs> Philip is so lost in recruiting that I guess uh, I guess he forgot that we were actually doing an interview. Um, Dude, I'm, I'm lost in recruiting. I, I'm physically, emotionally, and mentally tired. Look, uh, we also – That's a two-minute-long monologue, so I don't blame you. No, it was a, it was great. I – um, so let's 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 hit some of the OSU guys. Um, we'll talk about some of the guys who we we feel are going to get drafted. No, we're going to get drafted. You're curious about getting drafted. I wrote my 2021 predictions back in January. I think it was January. Maybe it was February. I don't know. Anyways, it's on the Cowboys draft for free site somewhere. I'm not going to go look for it because I don't want to. But there's one prediction I remember because I talked about this on the Greg Swain show this weekend. Um, Oklahoma State's record in the the modern draft era, the number of players drafted in one year is four. It's happened twice, I think, during both times uh, under Mike Gundy. I think 2011 was 2010, 2011 was one, 2013 was another. Okay. Um, and my prediction for this year was that OSU would break the record and have five this year. We feel pretty good about four of them. I was Tevin Jenkins, who thinks he'd be a first round pick, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard. And I, I would be shocked. I would be very surprised. And, and personally, uh, my feelings would be hurt for Darius Williams is not drafted because. That would just be dumb. The guy was fantastic. If a fifth one does get drafted, Luke, who do you think it would be? My my pick would be would be Amanon Bongamiga. What do you think as far as if a fifth Oklahoma State player gets drafted? Or do you think it could actually only just be the three of Jenkins, Tylen, and Chuba? I think Oklahoma State definitely will have four with the four you mentioned. Um, and I could not agree more. Rodarius deserves to be drafted. Absolutely. And I think he, you know, the media, um, 
draft media and everything don't really talk to the NFL a lot. Um, and so I think they're a lot lower than, on him than the actual NFL is. Um, I don't think he'll even go sixth, seventh. I think he'll probably go fourth or fifth. Um, he's just not that hot kind of sexy name that everyone gets excited about. Um, but, man, if I had to pick, I'm a little bit of a sleeper. Um, I think Dylan Stoner um, has a slight chance um, to be drafted. Um, before the season started, uh, I was talking to some scouts, talking to people around the NFL, um, and a lot – I say a lot of teams. Probably half the teams had a draftable grade on Stoner going into his final year. Um, he just kind of needed that big year, really needed to step into that wide receiver two role um, and really kind of pad those stats up a little bit. Um, the last couple games, he had one big game, you know, had a couple touchdowns and everything. So that absolutely helped. Um, but didn't have as big of a year as the NFL was wanting. Um, but that's a guy, even if he doesn't get drafted, I do think plays the NFL for five or six years at least um, because what he can do on special teams, his football IQ and just a high character guy. Um, but with that being said, Amen also has a chance to get drafted. Uh, but if I had to pick my guy, I'm picking the sleeper, Dylan Stoner. Yeah, I, th- I think Stoner would probably I, – I think because my, my thing with Amen, and I think he's going to be a dude that's going to end up on an NFL roster, I would bet as probably like a day three linebacker probably is looked at more of a special team only at least early on. 100%. And so I don't think a team wants to take a sixth or seventh round pick on a guy like that, as good as he is, and someone I think it can develop into a solid NFL player. But Dylan Stoner is able to contribute somewhat to your offense right away. It's like a wide receiver four or something like that. And he can return kicks and punts as he did at Oklahoma State. He can be a gunner on kickoff. I think he provides more versatility at this point as a late day three guy that anything in day three is essentially a lottery pick. It's a, it's, a t- it's a lottery ticket, so yeah, I can see a team taking a chance on him for sure. Just do- God, don't be the Patriots. And I couldn't agree more with what you said. Um, what the teams really like about him is he's a very, very large slot guy with soft hands. Um, a lot of the kind of prototypical um, Patriots, little white kind of slot guys are a lot smaller, um, kind of shiftier route runners. Um, but Dylan is a lot more athletic than people give him um, credit for. And he's a very, very big body, smart dude, high character guy with soft hands. Um, so that's why I think a team kind of makes – and like you said, it's a lottery. It's kind of a gamble um, on day three. A lot of those picks are. Um, and I think that's a kind of safer gamble to make late in the draft. Yeah, I know it's a good, it's a good pick. Um, I just – it's crazy to say this feels like the year five guys go. When we've had years in the past that you could argue were more talented, but I, I just – like I think they're <laughs> – this is a commentary on how Oklahoma State recruits and develops that people don't – give enough credit to. If you can't land the five stars and you're not going to an Oklahoma State because there is a chicken or the egg situation and the only way to get five-star kids is to get them to come in groups and to show that you can get them drafted in the first round. But the only guarantee you're going to get guys drafted in the first round is to have a bunch of five-stars show up on campus. So I don't know. The way Oklahoma State recruits, they look for versatility. They look for guys that fit certain molds and you see a lot of guys, and that's why we see so many Corners converted into safety, quarterbacks converted into corners, uh, wide receivers. Safeties, wide linebackers. Receiver, safeties and linebackers, guys who play corner and wide receiver playing corner. Like you're seeing certain types of players come into Oklahoma State and develop. And so I think this is a commentary on OSU when they shifted defensive schemes and brought in Jen Knowles. The reason it took time 
the way they changed the way they started recruiting players and the kinds of players they started looking for. And you're seeing the fruits of that labor. You saw it this past year with the way the defense played. I think we're going to see it next year. I don't think there's going to be a, a huge drop off in the defense. There'll be a slight one because I don't think there's a Radarius Williams ready to go on the roster for next year. But I think you're starting to see that. I think you're going to see more defensive guys for OSU. And really, if you go look at OSU through the Gundy era, they've had more guys drafted on defense and offense anyways, which is a wild thing to see. Hey, it's insane. Uh, it is. I want to ask about Thailand for a second. One thing, and I think I wrote about this back when James Washington and Mason Rudolph got, got drafted. You know, Dez was so big for OSU um, because you had a guy that every – all these kids coming up were like, oh, I love Dez Bryant. He's my favorite receiver. He's my favorite. All these receivers. I mean, he's, he's, been, he's basically been out of the league essentially for a while. And and we're reaching that point where OSU doesn't have. I mean, Chris Carson's a big deal, but he just doesn't. He doesn't, you know, push his OSU ness all that much. No. Um, there's not a. There's not a guy in the league right now. Washington's been fine, but he hasn't. He hasn't been that. Uh, he's like the fourth option there for uh, Pittsburgh. Um, we, Justice OSU in Baltimore. Needs, right. OSU needs – it doesn't have to have a Des Bryant because I mean, there's, there's just not one. You know, OSU needs some guys to stick and stand out because I think it would help in recruiting. That's how you start making those steps. You're not going to – Absolutely. Just, unless, you have, unless your budget goes way up and you can start handing guys checks for you know large chunks of money. <laughs> I'm half joking. You're not going to get the fours <laughs> and fives to show up. So you have to start getting guys to get to the league and stick. I think Tevin Jenkins will, but offensive lineman only does so much for you. You need somebody who, who makes big plays. So when I look at Tylen, and we all love Tylen, and Tylen is awesome, I understand some of the concerns size-wise, height-wise for him in the NFL. But looking at him, is he, can he be that guy for OSU that not only sticks but can stick out? And, and start being someone people turn to and go, well, I love Tylen Wallace. He's so awesome. I'm going to go to OSU because Tylen Wallace went to OSU. I think that's a very good question, um, but I think very solid no for two reasons. Um, not my opinion, NFL scouts' opinion. Not a lot have him project him as a wide receiver one in the NFL. Um, they project him as a two or a three, kind of that complementary wide receiver. Um, and for the second reason being not just because of the skill level, because I do think he's a stud. Um, I, do even, I do think he's much better wide receiver than a wide receiver for three in the NFL. But with that being said, the second reason, he doesn't have the personality for it, man. Um, Des Bryant was a very polarizing figure in the NFL. With his throw up to X, with his antics, his talking, all the crappy talks to the camera, the crappy talk to other players. Um, those type of players with huge personalities, whether you love them or hate them, A.J. Ferrari is a great example for the Oklahoma State fans. Um, people either love him or hate him because he just, just does ridiculous, loud things. Um, and with Dez, Dez was that loud. He played for the Cowboys, the most recognizable um, logo in all, possibly of all American sports. Um, and so I don't think that he didn't have that personality for it. You know, um, He's not going to get the media talking about, ooh, Tylen celebrated like this or, 
Thailand started a clothing brand with throw up the X or anything like that. Um, so not because of his skill level, um, but because mainly just his personality and him off the field, I don't think he's going to garner enough conversations and mentions for people to really, you know, Tylen Wallace went to Oklahoma state. I want to be the next Tylen Wallace at Oklahoma state. Um, I just don't think he has that in him personality wise. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think there's a, there's some balance to it, right? Like I think you have to have some kind of on-field production, but you have to have a little bit of something off the field to get people interested in your brand because brand matters so much, especially in the NFL, because you can be so easily recognizable. But fit for a team matters too. It depends on where you land. And if you're James Washington and he's a good play, good NFL player, when you play for the Steelers and you have Juju and some of these other guys that are going to get more, they're going to get the ball more than you. There's only so much you can do. And you have a quarterback that doesn't like to throw you the ball. So there's also that like if Tylen ends up in a position where he can be a legit wide receiver to a wide receiver three in an offense with a quarterback and get him the ball, there's an opportunity there. But I just, like I said, I, I think I, I didn't really think about that until now. Like he doesn't quite have that big time personality to really exude that in, you know, over the course of a full career. I think he's gonna be a good NFL player, have a solid career. But I don't know if he can ever be that guy now that I'm thinking about it. And I don't mean to knock him on that not at, at all. all. Not um, at all. Yes, like I don't mean no. that as a bad thing. It's just that it was it is. Um, and he's just not that player who cares about the off-field stuff enough to kind of get the people talking. Um, and I just don't think his brand will ever be that big. You brought up Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, he wasn't – I would argue he wasn't even their best offensive weapon. But why did you think of Juju before um, Claypool or before someone else? It's the TikTok. Because of his brand and TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and everything else he does. Um, And so that's why people associate him as kind of the big offensive threat there. Just to bring it all back around, I just – yeah, Tylen's off the field stuff. I do not think at this point is going to bring all the people in. He's still probably – I don't think he's going to have a wide receiver like that, though. Like, that's the problem. I think part of it's – the guys they go after, let's pay attention. I mean, James Washington, super quiet. Tylen Wallace, super quiet, does his job. Like, that's the kind of receivers they, they want to bring in. They don't bring in Des Bryant's anymore. Let's, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, maybe the last guy who was like that at wide receiver, but even when, when Tyreek Hill was at OSU, he wasn't – like, we all liked – he was all awesome, but he wasn't that, right? Like, maybe the last Des Bryant at Oklahoma State. Even Blackman, when he was there – I mean, was, was quiet and kind of did his own quiet. thing. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of guys that they seem to want to recruit. And that, I mean, that's, I mean, it's the same wide receiver coach for all these guys. Just want to I mean, we're talking wide receiver, but we're, if we want to talk from a brand perspective, um, I know we guys that we've talked about as well off the pod, just about the different players Oklahoma State's got. I mean, we've got a safety over here who's releasing rap albums. Um, and while you can think whatever about his rap album, he is building his brand off the field. Um, so I do, I totally get what you're saying, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, and especially like who Casey Dunn likes. I think we've all kind of seen when Dunn really, really likes you and puts effort into you and picks you as a guy. I mean, Oklahoma State's always got a guy at wide receiver at the wide receiver one position. Um, so I do agree with that as wide receiver, but I do think. We've got other, other positions on the field that um, we do have some character. So I do think if, they, if their play was ever elevated that high, it could be a brand like that. My mind totally went blank, too. Yep. Uh, 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 okay, and, uh, I, and I also okay. want to mention something that's even a fast-forward a year. Um, 
you talked about four is kind of the record for Oklahoma State um, mm-hmm. guys getting drafted in a year. I think next year Oklahoma State's going to have – mark my words. I'll be on, Hopefully you guys will bring me back again in 365 days. Um, but mark my words, I do think Oklahoma State will possibly have three, maybe four, could be five and break that record next year. I think that's a legit possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the – you got like Colby Harville-Peel, Trey Sterling, Josh Sills, Trace Ford – and someone else that could pop, you know, even like a Tay Martin with a really big year in the Big 12 could be a, a LD Brown, a Tay Martin, a Brandon, a Braden Johnson. Um, there's a bunch of them, man. And we wouldn't have hyped up Tevin Jenkins a year ago now. No. Um, and now he's going to be the highest drafted Oklahoma State player in the past couple of years. Um, the, so there's no telling. These were the first O lineman to get drafted since Russell O'Connor, which is just wild to think about. What was that, 10 years ago? Uh, yeah, that was 09? 10? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's, it's been a while. But I think yeah, it's going to help with this new – with the O-line coach, you know, only being there for a few years, seeing Tevin Jenkins go number one. And even from a brand perspective, you know, people have kind of got the Tevin Jenkins, like, I don't know if that was a team photo or whatever it was. Yeah, like, it was oh, my gosh, this guy – Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's going to be a first-round pick. Like, this guy's blocking for me. And, like, people were poking fun, and, you know, people were having fun with it because he looked a little goofy. But, like, from a brand perspective, people have been talking about him. Tevin Jenkins' name has been in the media a lot, and I do think that has something to do with it. One of my favorite things, there's a, a guy on YouTube that does a lot of uh, like film breakdowns and stuff, Brett Coleman. He did a whole video on Tevin Jenkins, and the, the, the uh, clip, the uh, title card on the, the video was Tevin Jenkins' official team photo. It said, this is the meanest man in college football. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Like with that picture and saying the meanest man in college football, that's going to get anyone to click on it. Oh, and it, and it did. And then the first uh, the first clip was to the to the Jaws tune of him sending Joseph O'Sign to the bench. <laughs> A potential probable first round pick this year. That also, yeah. Yep. Look, it would be you got to recruit offensive lineman if if him going first round. I think I would be surprised if he doesn't. Right. Unless there just goes, unless some teams are just like, we're going to wait on offensive tackles until the second round. Yeah, like, look, if, if Penny Sewell doesn't go to like 10, then maybe not because all of a sudden you see offensive linemen getting pushed back because everyone's drafting quarterbacks and wide receivers and, and other things, right? Or suddenly you get a run on running back in the second, bottom of the first half, for, first round for some, first half, God, first round for some reason. And so he gets pushed to early second, which would suck. But he is pretty much consistently graded as a first-round pick. We've, just, we've seen first-round picks go late because, you know, Seattle decides to pick some random player that might see the field twice a season and, and never again because, you know, they're Seattle. Um, but I, it would be really good if he went first round. Like, I think that can, that's something you can sell. And I think OSU struggles recruiting on the offensive line this past year or two. I think they need that. Um, I think that would benefit them a lot. And if you can get him first round and then get Josh Sills to go high in the draft next year, that would also benefit Oklahoma State. And this is where you have to take these opportunities if you're Oklahoma State and go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push these guys and develop them, and turn them into these. Because if we want to land these offensive line, we want. If we want Kelvin Banks to say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna come back to Oklahoma State. I committed and decommitted because everybody in the world wants me, and now I'm gonna go back to Oklahoma State because oh look. Oh, these guys are getting drafted here. Mm-hmm. This is a good place to go. Like you, you need that. 
You need to do that. That's how you get guys. You can, folks, we can talk about how hard you come after them or landing helicopters or sending tweets or graphics or their mama likes it, blah, 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 blah. Barbershops in, in practice facilities, the, at the end of the day, the best players all want to play together and they all want to get drafted in the first round. Not drafted, drafted sure. in the first round. That's what they want. That's why all these kids, all these camps are why all the five stars go to the same places because they all hook up together and they go, okay, let's all just go to the same school. And that's why they all go to the same schools. No, the kids are in massive group techs. Um, there's, there's a five-star group text that I found out about. There's a four-star group text. Um, and they meet at all these camps, only seven-on-seven or Adidas All-American, that type of thing. Um, and all these kids are in camps, and they're talking about everything. Hey, this is why I'm going to Oklahoma State. I'm going to Virginia Tech. I'm going to Florida. Um, and they're recruiting each other. And it's just like you said, they get these relationships, these bonds. And it's like, hey, let's go do this together. Um, and a team or a school that can show not only can we produce first-rounders and four draft picks, but consistency. Now, Oklahoma State, every, I feel like three or four years, they've got a guy in contention for the top three rounds. Um, going back to Emmanuel Ogba and kind of back since then, like I feel like there's always a guy every two or three. Um, but with this, with this year's class, like we've talked about four, possibly five, get drafted. Um, and if they can do something like that, similar, replicate that next year, I think that could completely change Oklahoma State's recruiting for the next five to six years. And, and I feel like, I mean, Philip, you follow recruiting way more than I have, but I feel like they have done a fantastic job, at least early in this class, of getting and recognizing talent early and getting guys to commit before the season even starts, before the 22 season even starts. Uh, you, you can expand on that a little more, but I feel like they've done a really good job early on in the recruiting cycle getting guys early. They're, they're, they've done a better job in state, and they realize that you can get – Every kid's different. And there's a difference between the kids who all want to go in the – because they all think they're going to – like, not everyone's so arrogant that they're like, I'm going to be a first-round draft pick. So other things do matter. Uh, and that's when you get into the highest threes, the low fours. Like, if you're talking five stars, they all want to go to the same place and they all want to get the first-round pick. They're a five-star. They've been being told forever that they're, they're going to be an NFL all-star or all-pro, whatever. Pro Bowl. God, I cannot, words escape me. Um, but you get a lot of these kids, they want to stay and stay, they want to stay close to home. It's nice. And I think the pandemic, to some extent, for a lot of them, has that staying close to home is, is nice. It's a good thing. Staying close to family is a positive. And OSU's put more emphasis. Look at they've been landing more of the of the top guys in state. You're never gonna get the number one pick. Like they're gonna go out of state or go to Oklahoma. It's it's gonna happen a lot. Just deal with it. But you're getting guys four-star talents in the state of Oklahoma because you've had more of those and Oklahoma State's done a better job keeping them in-house if you just I, I know he's a high three but you just have Braylon Presley like that's a big deal like I, they are they're identifying the guys that fit their system well I go back to, to Ty Williams the safety who was the quarterback at uh, at Muskogee they identified him he ends up getting rated as a four-star safety like he wasn't rated as a four-star safety. He comes to Oklahoma. He commits to Oklahoma State, and then he and they're like, "Oh wait, no, this guy is one." This kid's a stud. And so OSU is doing a better job of evaluating this stuff. They know what they want. They know what they're going after. They know what fits their system, and their system is turning them into the kinds of guys like Trey Sterling's and Rodarius Williams and Colby Harvell Peels and 
Jarek Bernard Converse and Malcolm Rodriguez. Like, there's a, it's not just that the scheme is good. They're recruiting well, they're developing guys, and they're finding guys that fit a mold that can fit these roles and play them well. And that's and, what I think they've gotten better at was those last couple points because I think they're getting the guys they want even more. Like, getting Trace Ford out of him and Santa Fe was huge. That's kind of starting that a little bit of a pipeline there. The Presley brothers, obviously. We saw what the oldest one could do um, in the bowl game. Um, one guy that I know the team is really excited about that's a random name, not an in-state guy, um, but the little wide receiver, John Paul Richardson out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some other big schools going after him. I know some big schools were interested in him after he committed to Oklahoma State, and he told them, like, I'm 100% committed. There's no point. Like, I'm not coming to do a visit or anything. Um, so I really think, yeah, they're, they're not having to go get these five stars, but they're getting these – sometimes two, three, and four stars who perfectly fit exactly what they're looking for, and they're molding them into what they need to be, and that's why it's turning out so well over the past the next couple of years. I think they are doing a better job on defense now than they ever have before of knowing exactly what to go get and knowing exactly what to turn them into. I, I, I think this is not NFL draft related, but I don't care. I think we're going to look back on Gundy's career and end up saying, and this is a big statement, and I will stand by it, that Jim Knowles was the best hire of Mike Gundy's tenure. Wow. I, I, I that's a good wholeheartedly, take. I wholeheartedly good believe take. it. You look at what they're doing on defense. Rodarius Williams, nobody – I was high on coming of the year. No one thought he was going to be as good as he was. And look how look at where he was. He didn't win the awards for Big 12 because literally teams wouldn't throw to him so he didn't have the stats to be like, well, he was the best corner. No, he was the best corner. I don't understand why he wasn't the best, best corner. He was because you wouldn't throw to him for a piece of it. You literally just like, nah, just throw the other side of the field. We're, we're going to throw it. Jared Bernard Converse and, and Christian Holmes, we're not throwing it for Darius Williams. We're just not going to do it. Like, they're finding these guys, and they're turning – Tevin Jenkins. I, I, and, and I realize that's offensive line, but I, I really believe they have figured out exactly what they want to do. They are really, really smart about it, and they're going after and getting the guys they want. And look what they're turning this defense into when, with them. It's not a fluke that the defense was as good as it was last year. It wasn't they just lucked into all those players? You don't just luck into Rodarius Williams and Jared Bernard Converse and Trey Sterling and Colby Harville Peel and Malcolm Rodriguez and Israel Antoine and Trace Ford and like you don't. It's like, that's not how it works. I agree, they and I got something to add in on that at a crazy high level. I got to interrupt you there for one player that we haven't mentioned the whole time that falls along with everything that you've been saying. A player who, you know, fits the exact mold, fits what they want, even if he wasn't already a four-star. Um, I think this kid's very underrated, especially in the NFL, or especially as an NFL prospect. But Tyler Lacey, man, I mean, I want to say he put – I'm saying off the top of my head, I think he put up better numbers than Trace Ford last year, and I think Trace Ford's a stud and a future first-round pick. But with that being said, I think Tyler Lacey put up some wild numbers last year. Um, and I'm going off the top of my head as well. I don't think he had any other Power 5 offers. Um, and if he did, I want to say it was like Tech or Iowa State. No offense, good schools. Um, but I want to say it was Tech or Iowa State. Um, and so they went into the Dallas area, found a kid that they want that fits their mold, another Texas kid bringing up John Paul Richardson and Trey Sterling, another Dallas kid. Um, that I think they're just going into Texas and they're finding exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. Tyler Lacey, going on 24-7. Tyler Lacey had offers from OSU, Arkansas State, Colorado State, UConn, Houston, Louisiana, Monroe, Marshall, um, North Texas, SMU, Texas State, Texas Tech. Texas and TCU showed interest but didn't offer. 
Like that was his offer list. And Texas and TCU and probably paid attention it. because he's a Dallas kid and he's a Texas kid, and they just you know just checked in on. Yeah, I, I just they're doing a really good job, and I think Jim Knowles is the biggest part of it, is a is a huge part of it. I think they have good staff. I think they've been able to, to build a recruiting staff, add more to it, better evaluators, more guys to keep an eye on things. But I think Jim Knowles. I think this is a large part of Jim Knowles' effect. I agree. I do want to bring up one point from this past weekend. So they had the spring game and all that, and spring games or what you know, whatever. It's a very controlled environment, hard to take much away from them. But I want to talk about. Phil, we were, I think we were going to talk about this later, but it just. I think it's, it goes back to kind of the branding and you know the taking care of your own kind of the Oklahoma State <laughs> hasn't done a good job of in the past. Let's just I'll call a spade a spade. But this weekend they had, I think they called it like Legends Weekend or something like that. But they brought a lot of guys from the, either the early Gundy era or even after during that really haven't been around. We haven't seen them a lot. Like Adarius Bowman came to this weekend for the golf tournament at Carson Creek. He was at the spring game. They interviewed him. They were interviewing former players on the on the field during the game on the broadcast with Dave Hunsiker. They made a big deal about having former players back for the spring game. And they haven't done that in the past, at least on social media. And I think that is a, that's such a welcome change because it's taking care of your own. It's taking care of your former players and getting them back in the building. And when you have a big recruiting weekend like Oklahoma State had with some more 22 guys, seeing those guys are like, oh, I'm welcome to come. Like whenever I'm done here, I can come back. We just haven't seen that. And now to see it here, it sucks that it takes until now, like year 17 under Gundy to really see this, but it's a welcome change and something that really does matter in the long run. I couldn't agree more. Um, I've been on the sideline at both um, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma uh, in spring games. And when you go to the OU spring game, which I get it, more fans, blah, blah, blah. But when you go to an OU spring game on the sidelines, you see Kyler Murray. You sometimes see Gerald McCoy. You sometimes see Adrian Peterson. You see, and not only like our Darius Bowman was great, but you see these even more recent just stars and studs. Yeah, I think so Jason Washington recruit- was in town too. Yeah, they said – yeah, I agree. This year, this weekend, I noticed that as well. Was so, they were so much better at it this, this past year than any other year before. Um, but at OU, all these guys are coming back. Tyler's there. All these big, big recent names. And Oklahoma State, I just don't think, has done very well with the relationship side of things, um, especially with a lot of the more recent grads or more recent players. Um, so I thought that was refreshing and awesome as well um, to see all those guys back this past weekend. I mean – it's it's huge. You want, especially from a recruiting standpoint, spring game is a big deal. You had a lot of unofficial visitors there. You have, should have alumni there. You should have guys that played in the league. You should have guys that can, they can chat these kids up and be like, I know, da 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 Like, you want James Washington who's still playing in You would love to get Chris Carson back. You should have Des Bryant there. Like, Des Bryant should be more than welcome. He should be eagerly invited to come to Oklahoma State games, and I don't care if he wants to be obnoxious and be on the sidelines. Just get him there. It's going to help. Like, it's going to help. Couldn't agree more. It's the like, brand. Brandon Whedon shows up a lot. Could he show up more? Like, the guys who are the faces. Where's Mason Rudolph? Like, he's still playing in the league. I, I don't think people barely talks notice. about Oklahoma State enough. And I'm like, is that is that a poor relationship? What's going on there? Why is OSH, Why does Chris Carson not like Oklahoma State, man? That's where I spent the two best years of my college. I'm here because part of that, like that kind of stuff. 
need to be to. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Be happening because it's only going to help you. When, te- when Tevin Jenkins gets drafted in the first round, I'm going to tell you right now, he better be there for the home opener. And they're going, there he is. First round pick offensive lineman to insert NFL team, Tevin Jenkins, here at the Oklahoma State game, blah, 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 blah. Like, get him there. Get him there. And I do just think they've done not as well. I don't know if it's Gundy, if it's the staff. I'm not really sure what and where this connects. But I think we might, may have talked about this before on the pod. Look at all the, play, the little brothers that didn't commit to Oklahoma State in the past four to five years. Um, and I think that's – you. Mm, maybe be able to connect the two a little bit Um, because if that relationship is so great um, and so strong and the trust and belief in Oklahoma state, um, the program and everything, I think they would have got some more of those players, um, some more of those little brothers. Um, But we've talked about before, you can name three, four, five little brothers, but Hey, look, Presley, um, the younger Presley's coming. Um, So maybe they're kind of focusing more in on that and doing a little bit better. Um, I want them to do as well as they physically possibly can at that because go pokes. Um, but I do think there's been a huge void in that over the past four to five years. Uh, I think part of when they looked into Gundy because of the T-shirt. I don't mean to bring up the T-shirt because it doesn't need to be brought up. But I do think it has to be brought up because it is the starting point for Oklahoma State doing some things they should have been doing that they really took a look, good hard look at the program and said, these are problems. Like they said, Mike Gundy doesn't have a good relationship with the players. My gun didn't have a good relationship with the players. He probably didn't have a good relationship with the alumni who were the players under him because it's not like they left and he suddenly built one, right? Like that probably didn't exist. I think this is a positive born from a negative situation saying, this is a problem. Let's fix this. And they are doing it. When you see how many players, they got to come back. And I think that was a concerted effort to get as many of them as possible. And you've seen players like Tatum Bell on Twitter saying, I couldn't make the spring game, but I, I can't wait to be there this fall. When you're seeing these cool. guys emphasize that, that tells you the university is doing what it should do and trying to get guys back, making the concerted effort to get these alumni back and around the program and around campus. It is beneficial. It is a big deal. It does matter. It should be that way. Like you should have, I would talk about Tony Allen. Tony Allen talks about his time at Oklahoma State all the time. Tony Allen does radio in Memphis all the time. It may not matter for recruiting, but I want that. the brand. I want the guy, and I want the guys that we all cheer for and that we still like. I, I see you saying Chris Carson. I love Chris Carson. I'm, I'm the, I am the biggest Chris Carson, former Oklahoma State, current, and I hate Seattle Seahawks. I am not a Seahawks fan. I will not be a Seahawks fan, but I will root my ass off for Chris Carson, like all Absolutely. damn day. And I want him to be like, I can't wait to be at Oklahoma State this weekend. Like I want that, and I. And I think OSU fans do too. And I think that matters in recruiting. It isn't the thing, but it's it's a thing. Although it's a another, it's a little thing that's only going to benefit you. It's not going to hurt you. But not doing it can hurt you. I couldn't agree more. And this past week, this past weekend was a good start to it. 
Um, but if we want to be real, our Darius Bowman, Tatum Bell, and Brandon Whedon aren't pulling in any young four and five stars. Um, so while, yeah, you guys are 100% right, it's a step in the right direction. Um, but there's still a ways for them to go in terms of that. Um, and just as an example to bring up, you know, those guys aren't helping recruits. I was talking to a guy in this draft, um, and I brought up Josh Rosen. We bring up an example. He's like, who? You don't know who Josh Rosen is? And he's like, no. I'm like, wow. Okay, so quarterback who went first round, what, four years ago? Isn't that relevant anymore if he didn't make it? Uh, four two years, years ago, ago. two or three. That was, that was two three, years ago. Two? How long has Sam Darnold been in there? Because he was the same year. That was, I think we'd be in the, the middle 20, of three. That was 2018? I think we'd be in the middle of three. Okay, there you go. Lamar was two uh, years. 2018 NFL draft, 2018. Yeah, good call, Joe. Because I was yeah, Murray. So I just, yeah, because I was good. Murray and then Allen and then, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I just bring that up to say, like, those guys are so far out there, unless you were an Oklahoma State fan growing up or a Broncos with Tatum or, like, or a Browns guy and you just saw Whedon get drafted. Um, I just don't think their names carry any weight in recruiting. So, like you guys said, yeah, great first step, but I think Oklahoma State has to be better at that if they want to do all the small things to kind of bring in those big-time guys. Agreed. I Get James Washington. Get Mason Rudolph. Like, they're in the league. They're playing. Get Emmanuel um, Ogba. Get, um, get, oh, there's yeah. so oh, many guys man. out there. Please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Vincent Taylor, dude. Vincent Taylor's from the New Orleans area, then transferred to Houston and graduated high school before he came to Oklahoma State. He's not mm-hmm. a huge Vincent's not a huge name in the NFL, but if you could pick two areas to recruit from, Louisiana and Houston, you never have to leave. You never have to go anywhere else. Yep. Um, and so while he's not a big name, he has those roots there. And I just think there's so many guys in the league um, who they just kind of, you know aren't really using to their full potential with the name and their brand. Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers, a great example yeah. from what, San Antonio? Um, they may, not, great be, they may not be guys who are pro bowlers, but I don't care. Like, you, they're still playing. They're currently playing. Get them in. Like, Absolutely, and they can help, especially where they're from. San Antonio isn't producing, you know, I mean, no offense San Antonio. I mean, I'm from BFE, Oklahoma, so we don't have any. But San Antonio is not just producing, you know, 10, draft, 10 first-round draft picks a year. But that means – so since there's not as many making the league, there's less guys to come back and help recruit. Vincent can go back to San Antonio – or Vincent can go back to Houston. Trey can go back to San Antonio. Um, and they can do that stuff together. And those little niche, those little smaller towns and cities look up to those guys for being in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just not something um, OSU's kind of brought all in together. Yeah. I, I think it's something they're working on. I think it's something a little bit better. I think it's something that will continue to move forward. And I, I think it's one of the things where it, you make a concerted effort. It takes a little bit of time to figure it all out. I think. Oh, and I was wrong on Vincent Taylor. Sorry. Vincent Taylor's from San Antonio area as well with Trey Flowers. Um, so they he should born, be able to. He was born in New Orleans. Yes. Right? He, was, he went to high school in San Antonio. He played OSU. He's playing in Miami, yes. Buffalo, Cleveland, and now he's in Houston. Yes. So. So much connection at San Antonio area, just with those two guys right there. Um, should be getting a lot of more guys out of there. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'll, I'll sw- let's swing back around to the NFL draft after we have gone in a bunch of different directions. Really great <laughs> conversation. We have we have gone a lot of different directions here. How chaotic is this weekend going to be for you? For me, it won't be as bad. Um, I've got one guy. I've only got one guy for this year's draft. Um, pretty probable that he will be drafted. Um, so it won't be as crazy for me as years in the past. 
Um, what really gets crazy is when a player goes undrafted. Um, people don't really know. I've talked about on the pod a little bit before. Um, people don't really understand how that free agent process goes. Um, you're not supposed to kind of get deals done until after the draft is already done. Um, and so your phone starts ringing, all these teams are calling. Um, that's not really how it works. Um, for example, I've had eight teams call me. What, it's Tuesday night at almost 9 p.m.? Um, and I've had around eight teams call me in the past 48 hours um, talking about, hey, we're interested in my player um, as an undrafted free agent. Let's start talking about the money. Let's start talking about how we're going to get this deal done. Um, and so a lot of people kind of have that stuff done before the draft is even over with. Um, and so mine won't be as crazy, man. I do think he gets drafted. Um, but yeah, for some people, man, if you've got four players who are all going undrafted, um, it's crazy. Last year I had three who went undrafted. Um, and it was wild. I had two phones. Someone was calling this phone, had to hand this to another agent I was working with. He would just tell them to hold on. Um, I'd be on the phone with the Eagles and the Giants would call and the Colts would call. Um, so it gets a little wild. Um, but luckily this year, I'm pretty, pretty confident my guy's getting drafted. And if not, we'll have him in a good spot. Um, so my, my weekend won't be too crazy. I'm looking forward to it. Man, the draft's always fun. It's a good time. Yes, I'm a baseball guy. I'm knee-deep in the baseball season right now. But for, like, one weekend, I go full nerd on the NFL draft. Like, I have, like – I buy – I follow a bunch of, like, mock drafts or what they are, but it's at least interesting to follow. I follow, like, draft guides and scouting reports. Like, I have those up on my computer while I'm watching. I I am a huge nerd for it for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, it's my favorite weekend of the year. It was really my favorite before I was working in it. Um, But it's still one of my favorite weekends of the entire year, man. It's just so fun. And getting to see the kids when they get drafted and when they sign that first NFL contract, man, like, it's cool. Um, Like, not a lot of people get to live their lifelong dream and everything they put those hours in too um and for a split second you get to see these kids so happy when they get to realize like hey i get my chance to live this thing that i've wanted to do since i was four or five years old yeah it's gonna be a ton of fun and you know philip i talked about we've talked about it we're gonna see three at least four probably oklahoma state guys go during the three days and one on day one most likely with tevin jenkins so it's gonna be really good it's gonna be good for oklahoma state gonna be good for those guys and get to follow their careers. And I'm a huge Chiefs fan, but I'm gonna root, I root for all these dudes whenever they have the opportunity to play in the NFL. Like I get, I remember like I Tyron Johnson scoring touchdowns for the Chargers. Like it was the Chargers. Like I don't like the Chargers, but when he's catching balls for touchdowns, I was like, no, that's awesome. I was retweeting that shit. Like that's awesome. Good to see. Good yep. Stuff. Yes. Okay, so you're a Chiefs fan, Joel. Yes. If you could pick one. Oh, I'm gonna interview you a little bit on this pod. Um, if you could pick one Oklahoma State player to be drafted to the Chiefs, and I mean kind of, you know, in their projected area. You can't take Tevin Jenkins in the seventh. Um, who would you pick and why? I'd take Tyler at 63. I, I think I think he would – Another undersized receiver for the Chiefs? But he plays a lot bigger than that, though. And I'm not – he doesn't need to be a true X, but he – he plays off a vertical plane, which a lot of the Chiefs players do, but he, ha- he can go up. He's really great at the catch point. He's aggressive at the catch point. He's athletic enough to, have a- to be able to run a better route tree than like McCall Hardman or-, or something like that, which I think the Chiefs are going to try and move off of. I think he fits what Andy Reid wants as an X, even if he's not 6'4", 220. Like he can play bigger than who he is, and he'll definitely like, he'll, like pancake someone on the outside on run oh, yeah, too. Yeah. So I, I think even though, even though he's six foot or something like that, like he plays a lot bigger than that and still can, 
and Patrick Mahomes will still find a way to get him the ball. Like, it's going to be fine. But I, I don't think – the Chiefs don't need another running back. They're not going to get – like, if the Chiefs were at 31, I was all in on Tevin Jenkins. Like, you, uh, that can, the trade this past week completely changed my answer. Uh, Great trade for the Chiefs, I think. Oh, love that, yeah. I, amen is just another dude. Like, the Chiefs don't need another uh, linebacker that's a run stopper and can't pay, play anybody in coverage. And Dylan Stone, you know, maybe a Dylan Stoner wouldn't be bad in like a seventh rounder UDFA. Like, I think that's another dude that can, again, the, the, if David to- Dave Tobe, the chief special teams guy, likes him, the chief, Dave Tobe always gets his guy. So that, that's, if nothing else, you get him as a special teamer and a dude can be like a wide receiver four. Uh, Joel, just for fun, uh, Charles Goldman, a Chiefs wire, put up his seven round mock draft for the Chiefs yesterday, or on Tuesday. This is Tuesday, Monday. Let me get the days right. Uh, at pick 58, Oklahoma State wide receiver Tom Wallace. Just, just in case you wanted to. Yeah. If, just, just in case you wanted that. Yeah. As, as a Chiefsman, I would go edge at 58 and a wide receiver 63. I am no GM or expert, but that's how I would do it. I'll be texting you during it to see what we're thinking. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I, we're just going to set up a group text, and the three of us are going to have a lot of fun on Thursday. Yes. Let's I, do it. I, I love, especially the first round. The first round's fascinating, and I feel like there's going to be some chaotic crap that goes on in the first round. I don't know why. But I feel like we're, always we're gonna some, is, we're, man. We're going to see some weird trade-up for something. That it's a weird year. There's got to be something weird going on. Oh, yeah. Hopefully no Laramie Tunzel videos. Oh, um, but, there, there's going to be one stupid thing like that that happens. It happens every year. See, and for that, for these reasons, I, looking at it as a fan, not as an agent, I dislike the first round because I do think there's so much fluff and so much like, oh, my gosh, let's show this kid in his home. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Be happy. We like to see it. But I love the second. I love day two and day three because that's when the scouts really keep their jobs and make their money. Uh, that's when, like, everything's on, like, you know, you, you hit on your first and second round picks. That's cool. It's great. You're going to be successful. Um, but you make your team with those third through seventh and those undrafted cats. Um, so I'm super – I love the day two and day three. I just think it's so, so fun. And you being a big draft guy, I feel like you'd enjoy it as well. Just that's, oh, yeah. that's where the nitty and gritty starts. Yes, I, I am – it's a, for rounds day two and three, it's appointment television. Uh, or days one and two. And then day three, like I have it on in the background as I'm doing something else because I mean, gotcha. those, picks, those picks go by quick. And it's also half the time it's like, who the heck is that guy? <laughs> Which can happen sometimes. Absolutely. You have anything else, Philip? Nope. I'm good. I'm tapped out. I, yeah, I, think I, I, I don't even know half the things I said tonight already. Well, I'm going to ask you both one more question. Then. All right, let's go. I want to hear, because we can revisit this in a couple years, who's going to have, not the best, not the, who's going to have the longest career in the NFL out of all the Oklahoma State potential draft picks this year? Kevin. Yeah. I hate to be lazy and be like the higher draft pick one, but I mean, he's the one you feel most confident in. It's really uh, not lazy though. Like we've talked about last year, no one would have expected this. Um, so, uh, so I don't think uh, it's lazy. Of the of the others, man, corner is so hard. I love Rodriguez Williams. I think he can. I think he should get drafted. I think he'll play. Corner is such a uh, such a tough position. Um, I think you look at you look at James Washington in, in Pittsburgh and the fact that he's still there and they developed him and they keep him. 
I think Thailand will. I think Thailand can have a long career. Now, I also think Thailand can be one of those guys who gets drafted. Um, team works on him. Do so when you get drafted. So that's part of the problem. Is it's hard to say that without landing spot because you can go to Pittsburgh and they keep their guys for as long as they can at wide receiver. You could go to uh, Thailand could go somewhere that's just like ah, we draft a new guy every year because we just we just we don't stick with anything unless they're awesome. So like. The Seahawks are running backs. Like, luckily, they've got Chris Carson up there. But they drafted him running back every single year. Um, Because it's like, oh, that's just what we do. We draft another one. They can't keep him healthy. I I think Tylen will have a long career if he has a good quarterback. Like, if he goes to Denver and they have Drew Locke, like, that's a problem. Or, like, if he – basically, like, if he goes to someone like Kansas City where he has a quarterback that's going to be there for a long time and is good, like, I think that, that, that helps any wide receiver. That helps anyone who's here for a long career. But yeah, I, I also like I say Tevin because I think if you put him left, right tackle, or if you want to kick him inside the guard, like he's good. That's your that dude's a ten year starting offensive lineman. Like yeah. I have no doubt about that. But he, I also he's put, the one that I can make that claim. Not worried about where he lands. No. But I also interesting. Yeah, but I I will say this. I think you could see Dill. I could see Dylan Stoner having a long career as like a special teams god. Like I hope for. I hope it for a man. He's a good kid. Put in the work at Oklahoma State. Didn't complain when he didn't get the ball this year. Just strapped up, put his helmet on, and did the dirty work and did what he's supposed to do. Man, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, he, he's a dude that I'll be excited if he when I if he gets his name called, I'm going to be ecstatic. Is John Paul Richardson going to be – because they have to have one inside white dude. dude John, like John Paul Richardson is Dylan Stoner 2.0. He's wearing number 17. Like he's he's got to be the next one, right? He'll yeah, be better. <laughs> Whoa, that's a take. Oh. I like, yeah, I like I Dylan like Stoner. I think he's a stud. I, I like the John Paul. That. I like him, man. I like him. I saw someone tweet, or sort of say it earlier today. I had no idea Dylan Stoner was sixth in school history in catches. Wish wish the pod could see my face when I heard that because I did not believe that either. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, again, he was at Oklahoma State for like eight years, so it kind of makes sense, but still. <laughs> he's, the, he's the Perry Allen of OSU football. Honestly. But no, I, I do think, yeah, I, Dylan Stoner is a lot to keep up with, but I'm, I'm a big fan of this John Paul Richardson kid. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm tapped now. I, I think I said yeah. something about Jim Knowles that uh, stand by. But I, I'm, I'm currently feel like uh, old school where Will Ferrell goes off and blacks out and says something really smart. Uh, like that's, that's where I feel right now. Yeah. Okay, so I just looked it up. Dylan Stoner is sixth. Tyler Wallace is fifth in school history. That's wild. That really yeah. is. So it's, it's Dylan Stoner, Tylen Wallace going up. And then Hartley Dykes, James Washington, Justin Blackman, Rashawn Woods. That's not a bad list to be a part of. Not at all. Not at all. Nope. nope. Oh, man. John well, Paul Richardson won't make it there because he'll only be there for three years. <laughs> all right, that's a little out there, but I'm just, you know, hopefully we can come I, back to hey, this. Hey, man, you're on a heater. I like it. I like yeah. it. I can't, oh. I can't wait to start introducing Luke Murtry, uh, John Paul Richardson's biggest fan. <laughs> If, I like it, man. If, if he gets a 100-yard game this this season, you have to make your Twitter name for one day John Paul Richardson fan account. 
No, you guys have to because I was right. <laughs> that has to be the name yeah. of the pod. You have to bring on John Paul Richardson, and you guys are his biggest fans. They don't. That that won't happen until he's done because they don't let us have things. Yeah. Hey, that'll work. They don't let us have nice things. <laughs> Just set an alarm on my phone for four years. <laughs> so when you sign him and get him drafted, you have to make him come on the podcast. Deal. I'm in. There we go. Done. Next year when I get some Oklahoma State cats, we'll be on the podcast. No worries. I'm going to set my calendar alert for 2025 now. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Hey, Luke, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck this weekend for, you know, your client. And hope, you know, hope he gets his name called. Now you know, I know you'll get him to the right team. Uh, for everyone that wants to follow you and follow what's going on this weekend with you and your, you know, your player and all that, where can they do that? Yeah, um, do that on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, they're both the same. It's just at Luke, L-U-K-E, last name McMurtry, M-C-M-U-R-T-R-E-Y. Um, and I'll, be, I'll actually be with him during the draft. Um, so I'll be posting some stories on Instagram, posting some updates with him. Uh, that's awesome. So, and I'm sure that the three of us will be talking on draft, you know, on draft day and as the weekend goes on. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I, I love the NFL draft. I absolutely love it. I'm excited for it. Appreciate you guys for having me on. I always yeah, love it. Absolutely. We'll have to do this again, not a year apart. Like we'll have to do it at some point in between there. We'll have to come back and revisit all those, all our draft predictions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for it. All right. Yeah. All right. We will talk to you all yeah, next. Just wrap week. here. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to, yeah, let's just wrap here. <laughs> follow Philip at OKTXAR Pope. Follow me at JT Penfield. Follow the site at Cowboys RFF. We'll be back next week. We'll have something for you. Well, Philip and I will figure it out. <laughs>